When you get to know France as intimately as Graham Robb has, you uncover some surprising stories about the famous Parisians you may have encountered in a history text. Graham Robb spent years bicycling around France to get to know the country up close and personal. Lately, he's uncovered mysteries and tales of the people you might find celebrated in the great monuments of Paris or whose bones might rest in the catacombs beneath your feet. When his book, Parisians, was first released, a reviewer at the New York Times raved that he had accomplished the feat of reintroducing France to itself. Graham Robb joins us now on Travel with Rick Steves to introduce us to some of Paris's most notable characters from the French Revolution till today. Graham, welcome. Thanks for inviting me, Rick. Now, you wrote a book about Paris, and, and rather than a chronology, you're kind of telling the story of Paris with a series of uh, stories about people, not presidents and great generals, but adulterers, poets, spies, prostitutes, revolutionaries. Why do we learn a lot about Paris by looking at these kind of characters? Because the, like any city, Paris is the people who live in it. And of course, you can write a history of the infrastructure that makes up the city, its buildings and street lighting and drains and the metro and so on. Hmm. But I thought this was a good way of writing a kind of abbreviated history that would give you a sense of what it was to live in Paris in a particular place and at a particular time. And really, it was kind of homage to, to Paris to show that every great city generates countless stories. And you could just peer through one window in one building in different centuries and construct a a whole history in miniature of the city. Tell us the story of one quirky Parisian that'll give us a a better appreciation of the city's true personality. Well, the person that I thought the most revealing in some ways was the man who has been almost completely forgotten, who saved the entire left bank of Paris from sinking into the abyss. He was a man who went down into the old quarries that had been dug out of the hill on the left bank of Paris since before the Romans, and which had been propped up by the slender pillars of limestone that had been left there. And successive generations would dig down below those pillars until the whole thing was a honeycomb. And there had been a few subsidences in the the streets, but no one had actually gone and explored this underworld. And he went down and realized that half of Paris was on the point of collapsing. And he was the man who was considered slightly mad, who constructed a kind of inverted cathedral under the left bank of Paris and made this this beautiful arched monument. It's far more beautiful than it needed to be to support the left bank and really became the man who saved Paris. The West Bank of Paris is honeycombed with quarries, and this guy recognized that it was actually in danger, so he built an arch to support it, to save the city? Yes, he wrote a report, and he was appointed by the king and given all the money and and labor that he needed and built a masterpiece. He's a hero. Underground. He's a hero with a sense of style. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, see, now that's great. Does that have something to do with Plaster of Paris? We hear about Plaster of Paris. Yes, there were also Plaster of Paris mines in the north, and there was also a subsidence problem in the north. But yes, a lot of it was for that. I used to stay in a hotel on Place Blanche, and I understand it means the white place, and or the white square, and it was just called that oh, because yes. Plaster of Paris was quarried there and always sloppily loaded under trucks, and the square was always white. That's interesting. I didn't know that. I'm just fascinated by underground Paris because, of course, a lot of us go to the um, 
the catacombs, and they unearthed all the cemeteries because it was considered uh, not hygienic. Uh, and uh, back in I think the nineteenth, early nineteenth century, and uh, and uh, they just happened to have pre quarries dug underneath the streets, so there's millions of skeletons lined up on those quarries. So that was handy if you're if you're uh, vacating cemeteries. Yes, and it was the same man who had the idea of constructing the the catacombs in oh, that okay. way using human bones. Ah, because they're beautifully artistically done. Also, it's one of the most fascinating hikes you can take, is especially on a hot day, is in the cool catacombs under the city, marveling at you know literally thousands and thousands of skulls beautifully stacked. If you're into that. <laughs> yes, and actually his bones are in there too now because oh, is that right? the cemetery he was buried in was wow. later removed to the catacombs. So he's still helping to keep Paris up. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're learning about Paris, and we're talking with Graham Robb, and his book is called Parisians, An Adventure History of Paris. Graham, I was just watching Les Miserables, and I felt that we owe, free people everywhere, owe a debt of gratitude, really, to the uh, early freedom fighters in Paris that are celebrated in Les Miserables. And and you write that the historic image of, of Parisians are disturbers of the peace in a great way. Do you get a sense when you when you think of the people of Paris that freedom came from Paris in a certain way? <laughs> I suppose it, the idea of political freedom in France, I suppose you could say, came from Paris as the seat of government and the seat of revolution. And there is a pattern that suggests that revolutions in France have to begin in Paris. Now, there were uprisings in other parts of France, but national revolutions, of which there are many, it's not just the French Revolution, did tend to spread from Paris to the provinces. And the old regime was so, so solid. And for people to actually break that up, to me, that was quite heroic. And it it didn't happen easy. And uh, a lot of countries don't have it today. But there were Parisians that helped start that for Western civilization. Yes. And they, in a sense, sold it to other countries because Mm -hmm. it was very, like a lot of political events in France, it was very highly intellectualized from the very beginning. Voltaire and Rousseau and you know, they had theorists of revolution who were able to explain the chaos or try to explain the chaos that was going on. And I suppose what they also created was a state of more or less permanent revolution because all mm-hmm. through the 19th century, at almost regular intervals after the French Revolution, there were many other national revolutions and coups d'etat that aren't talked about as much and mm. certainly aren't always celebrated in the same way. Wow. So the, the sort of the tyranny of the old regime was like a little disease that kept coming back and it wasn't finally squashed and it had to be hit again and again by those revolutions that were sort of starting from the streets of Paris where they set up the barricades and made history. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're speaking with Graham Robb. His book is called The Parisians. Just very quickly, Graham, I'm going to list people who we associate with Paris. And if you can just quickly tell me as a traveler what impact they had on Paris. Marie Antoinette. Marie Antoinette uh, had her impact on Paris was largely imaginary because people didn't really know her, but she did become a hated figure. She was one of the people that represented the Ancien Régime. And of course, she wasn't French. She was a foreigner. So I think that added to That's right. She was married into the family, but happened to be there at the wrong time and lost her head. How about Baron Haussmann? Baron Haussmann probably had a greater effect on Paris than anyone's ever had on any city, unless you count bombing raids. Mm. He completely transformed Paris in the mid-19th century into a kind of tourist destination. It's one of the earliest examples of a city in Europe turning its center into a kind of museum piece so Mm. that people who included some of Baron Haussmann's rich friends were forced to move further out, out of the center of Paris. 
So the uniform uh, skyline, the beautiful facades, the grand boulevards, we can thank Baron Hausmann from the middle of the 1800s. Yes, a lot of that is his work. It was very carefully planned and then uh, carefully carried out over less than 20 years. Okay, Charles de Gaulle. His real importance is obvious in the war and then later as president of France. But he also plays a very symbolic role. And you think of Charles de Gaulle returning at the Libération at the end of the Second World War, marching down the Champs-Élysées and attending a ceremony at Notre-Dame de Paris. And he really had the knack of incarnating uh, an almost mythical figure and presenting himself Ah. as a kind of incarnation of French history, all centered in Paris. I love that. And when you mention that, I think my favorite statue in Paris might be the the statue of Charles de Gaulle himself striding down the Champs-Élysées on that great day when, when the war was over. Yes. Graham, let's finish just with one piece of advice from you for any of us visiting Paris to best appreciate that great city. The most important thing to do in Paris is to walk across it. And it's actually, central Paris is a very small place. You can easily walk across it twice from west to east and north to south in a single day. And that way you'll discover a huge amount about Paris, even more than you will than if you tour the sites on an open deck bus. I love that advice. And it's interesting because I've been going there for 30 years and my sister was visiting uh, recently and I decided we're not going to go sightseeing. We're just going to take a walk straight across through neighborhoods I'd never been. And it was one of the most rewarding half days I've had in Paris. And it was places that were not famous. It was just Paris. Graham Robb, author of Parisians and Adventure History of Paris. Merci beaucoup for a little help on understanding what I consider the capital of Europe. You're very welcome, Rick. It's my pleasure. Rick Steves has spent a third of his adult life in Europe researching and writing guidebooks. His classic Europe Through the Back Door teaches the skills of smart travel. At Rick Steves' online travel store, you'll also find guidebooks for France, Paris, Provence and the Riviera, and Rick's French phrasebook. To learn more about Rick's guidebooks for France and beyond, visit the travel store at ricksteves.com.